0: that so yeah we've been talking for some weeks about music with a little bit of sort of um different thing we did here and there a few different times but uh we'll we'll wrap that up this week and then get sort of started probably this week also on uh, our next topic um and then next week barry is teaching i don't know what he's teaching on uh he's teaching because i'm preaching we don't usually do both when we do Sort of one or the other, but um, it was an interesting I, I wish I would have remembered to uh, download the article. I got a good article Sandy sent a good link to an article on uh, about music is a good time to sacrifice your own preference uh, in the church that you know sometimes we can get a little bit pouty about what it is it, it doesn't mean we should tolerate bad music, but you know if you if if you can't hear something besides just what you like or what means something to you, then maybe you ought to stop sucking your thumb and grow up. No, that's not exactly how it said. Did, did it say that? Sandy, Was that, is that too loose a paraphrase? <laughs> no, but it was talking about sort of, you know, be willing to sacrifice your own preference because there's something going on there for the body. Um, and I thought that was a very good point, as in a lot of things in the church, not just music, but there are other things as well. Um, that we shouldn't be getting too uptight about, at the same time wanting to make sure that we're le- we're abiding in truth. And uh, we, we've talked a lot about the different types of music, and we've talked about you know the things that we just should not sing in church, or the things that just don't make good for congregational singing, even though they might be excellent songs to sing. And uh, then we talked last week about uh, if if indeed God is the ultimate joy and fulfillment for us if by knowing God we grow in his grace and knowledge then the things that we sing ought to be about God and then our sort of our personal response to that is going to happen in the singing but we can't just make the songs all about our personal response Um, and again I'll still still go back if if I ever am inclined to write an article on music or something I'll make sure I include something in there about John's Reference to Jesus is my boyfriend songs, because I think that was probably one of the best things I've heard. Music it just stays with me, probably because it's every bit as twisted as I think sometimes. <laughs> we looked at a couple of songs. We we looked at um, examples of the old hymns and sort of what the f- focus was, and that. Uh, even though the song is right and it's in the right place and it's great for congregational singing, how it also is, uh, we're based on very deeply personal experiences of people's sufferings, for example, with Horatio Spofford and what he went through before he wrote It Is Well With My Soul and the tragedy that he had to face. Um, And we had been talking about the fact that uh, I had alluded to a red flag for me when there's so many personal pronouns about me in a song You know, not necessarily bad, but that's a red flag for me. I just I would watch for that. You know, Um, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily, in and of itself, mean that it's a bad song. So there's there's a lot to know, and it it is a big responsibility. Um, John uh, Wolfenden has a pretty big responsibility, I think. Um, I mean, all of the music team does, but particularly if you're sort of setting the you're setting up the musical stage as it were um as to what the church is going to sing Um, it's a big responsibility because it requires theological acumen and it requires um, someone that i think uh has that devotional deep sort of experience of god uh, and, and able to say okay this is this is good for the body so it's it's uh there's almost a, a pastoral function in some ways, I think, John, without, without necessarily accusing you or calling you a pastor. But isn't there maybe some sort of a... There is a, a bit of a shepherding element to that, I think.
1: I, I, I believe you're right. Uh-huh. I confess that I don't always take that line. Uh-huh. I should take more of that line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah... It, it, I mean I I've, I've been very blessed by other people I and encouraged and, and used them as an example of other worship leaders who yep. that much better than I do. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're pretty convinced you do it pretty good, so <laughs> so thanks and keep it up. And all the music team are really blessed. They you you as as uh, someone that is blessed to be able to preach, um I can only tell you how much it equips me before I get up there to preach what the good music does. Prepare me to get up and preach things that the preparation of the message alone can't do. It's uh, good preparation is necessary, but it's not sufficient. In other words, I still need a little bit more of that. So, a couple of songs to look at this week, and then we'll get into a little discussion on uh, the Bible in the news. So, how do we how do we how do we look at headlines? How do we look at the big stories of the day? How do we process that? How do we align ourselves? with certain points of view. How do we maybe overcommit ourselves to certain things? How do we undercommit ourselves? Do we withdraw too much? Um, So I think that will be a good discussion because I think, like everything else, everything should be sort of taken in and processed in such a way, mindfully and intellectually, in a way that is consistent with what God has revealed to us about Himself in Christ. And how we're to live that out in the world that we're in. And let's face it, this is where we are. Well, this is where we are at this time in life. So we'll get to that. A song I wanted to look at this week, two of them. And the first is uh, The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. And um, I just want to read the, the lines to it first. Are we familiar with this? Has anyone not ever heard The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus? Okay. Um, anybody want to sing it for us? Not likely, huh? Okay. Well, I'm not going to volunteer either. You just put your hand up. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. To me, that's one of those lines where every, so much thought went into every word. Vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Leading onward, leading homeward to thy glorious rest above. O the deep, deep love of Jesus, spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, nevermore. How he watches o'er his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watcheth over them from the throne. O the deep, deep love of Jesus. Love of every love the best. Tis an ocean vast of blessing. Tis a haven sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Tis a heaven of heavens to me. And it lifts me up to glory. For it lifts me up to Thee. So, tremendous um, words in this song. Written back in uh, somewhere around the 19, early 1920s maybe. Uh, Samuel Trevor Francis who lived from 1834 to 1925, was a member of the Plymouth Brethren in Britain. Um, and I, I don't know a lot about the Plymouth Brethren. I know uh, if Gary was here, he could tell you a lot about it because he was in it for a long time. Lydia, I think, also was exposed to that for a long time. I think she might still have some family in the Plymouth Brethren. I knew uh, a tremendous family that used to I knew in Holland before they moved south. and. They started out in the Plymouth Brethren. Uh, they've got a couple of, I, I believe, would be would problematic things in the Scripture um, with respect to how they understand eldership. And uh, they tend towards some pretty extreme legalism in a variety of ways, I remember. And I don't know if this varies from assembly to assembly. <coughs> excuse me. But uh, I remember that the family that I knew the Palvinos, I think you probably knew them, Denise. Um, they actually used to come here. Yeah, they made an issue about her having a diamond ring or something like that, and you know, things like that. Some jewelry was overblown, um, clothing, you know things like that. That become a distraction to the message. And this is the Reformation weekend. This is all about getting away with distractions from the gospel message, you know. That's what the Reformation is all about. Mm. As we'll hear today, We're going to hear some good things upstairs today. Um, we've got five brothers that are going up to give the word today. Um, six if you include me. I'm going to give a little, just a very brief info on how the Reformation got going. Then our brothers, including John, uh, you going to be up there? You preaching, brothers? No, you yeah, know you are. Um, yeah, you've been you've been busy with other fruits. You're wrapping it up, yes? You're wrapping up the orchard season. Back together next week. Nice. <laughs> good, good. I was beginning to worry about you guys. I was like, All wow. Wrong. Wow. wow. Really. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's like Todd, Todd finally to rebuild. Todd finally pushed it too far. <laughs> the world has been fed. Oh be good. The world has been fed. So uh so this uh so I, I just offer that about the Plymouth brethren uh and to show you that despite and Again, I don't even know if the Plymouth Brethren then would be what the Plymouth Brethren are today, but despite whatever types of issues there might have been or challenges that that sect presents, yet we have a man in there able to write this kind of a song, which is uh, pretty intense. I think probably um, some scripture that guided him in his thinking, First John 4.10, In this is love, not that we have loved God. But that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Wouldn't it be nice if so much could be packed into every sentence that we talk about? You know? I mean, scripture is like that in so many ways, right? In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And now it takes, I think, a fair amount of meditating upon. These kinds of verses to come up with this kind of a song, but what is that saying? In this is love, not that we have loved God. What, what is what is this verse? What is how does this verse speak to well, us? By today? nature, we don't love God. Yeah, yeah. And He That's
1: first a, loved us. Yes. Uh, be
0: in yeah, definitely. Uh, really, we're learning about in this verse what love is and how mm-hmm. to measure love. We could yes just mark
2: May all the credit and glory to God, not us. We are the recipients entirely of His grace.
0: Especially now. I mean, I don't know if back then they threw the word love around like we do now. I, I doubt it. You know, we love everything. Oh, I, you know, I love that show. I love that food. I love that... And, and I think we know what that means in context, you know? Uh, I, I don't think that when someone says, Oh, I I love my dog. I hope that doesn't mean you love the dog in the same way you love your husband or your wife. You know? Uh, that's a problem. If that's the case, um, I know people without kids that say, "Oh, I love my, I love my dog like I would love any kid." And I don't say anything because they don't have kids for whatever reason. But I mean, I, you know, there's that part of me that wants to say, "Can't please. You know, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know what I mean? I don't say that. It would be rude and crass. Uh, but sometimes my nature is first rude and crass (laughs) and I just don't say anything I just stop and process Um, I mean I know what animals mean to people and it's amazing how animals have helped people through some of the worst spots in life but it's a different kind of thing and there's no doubt they genuinely and I do say I love my dog but I mean if it came down to my dog or my kid or whatever if my kid got bit in the face I'd be burying the dog very soon right so if my daughter bit the dog too bad for the dog. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so, that helps me understand the difference. Love. Right? What is love? And we don't... And so, I, I'm glad that it says, not that we've loved God, but that God has loved us. That's how we know what love is. Mm. And how so? He's, he gave us His Son to be
1: the propitiation for
0: our sins. Great big word, right? Propitiation. What is mm. that?
1: Be a piece of God's wrath.
0: Yeah, the appeasements of God's wrath, right? The satisfaction of God's justice wrath. The of God. Um, I'm sorry?
1: The justice of God. The justice
0: of God. Of God. Um, <clears throat> I think that propitiation... Um, I think that word also in the Old Testament has a reference to the covering over the ark. The lid of the ark, the mercy seat over the ark. That Christ became a mercy seat for us over the ark. Todd?
2: It's interesting you chose that song. It was just... Sparking some things in my head. That, Good. Uh, the uh, the ocean, the sea, mm. not just in Revelation, but particularly in Revelation, mm. but other parts of the Scripture, certainly in the Old Testament, is more foreboding. Yeah, it, it's a dark, deep, dank place. Yep. It's a place where there's turmoil, tossing and turning. Paul even talks about that in Ephesians four. And yet, yeah, the Christian has the Wonderful ability, because of the grace of God, to take the worst of the world, mm. what's perceived within the world, and put a spin on it in a good sense, theologically, even in a turn something good.
0: Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm.
2: And and so you can be in a boat, tossed and turned, thinking your life is mm-hmm. just about minutes away from yeah. fading, and that someone encourages someone where the rest of the world yeah. is just pure despair.
0: Yeah, I think we forget about that because, in some ways, I think we in some ways think we've sort of uh, domesticated the ocean a little bit when certainly we have not. And, and like you said, though, in the Old Testament, there really was a theology of the ocean.
1: Mm. <laughs> the
0: sea That's by. where the great monster was, right? That's where all the, the things that happened were uncontrollable, unpredictable. They couldn't predict weather. I mean, look at Paul. I mean, the reason why he got stuck in a Mediterranean hurricane is they could barely tell ahead of time that that kind of a storm was coming. So... And earlier than that, and and that's why part of man's response to the wonderful, powerful things of nature was to say, was to ascribe deity to it in some way. And so, when we see Jesus calming the sea, or we see God in the Old Testament walking on the waves or calming the sea, we see God making a statement about His sovereignty over even those things which are the most frightening and overwhelming and and, and, uh, foreboding and and sort of sense of mystery to them and, and, and darkness. And so, yeah. And if you've ever been taken, if you ever been in there when you've like body surfed or something, and you've happened to get a good wave that just wipes you out and turns you every which way, and you're scraping your stand, your legs, and your face, and you just you finally come, you just been overwhelmed by that. That's what the love of God is.
2: I was just re- reminded of what the way Peter reacted when Christ calmed the sea, mm. and he, right. he said, "Depart from me, I'm a sinful man," because yeah. he he understood if if Jesus could do that. That, he, that Peter was in the presence of someone that he did not
0: have before. Yeah. So the deep, deep love of God in that. So much so. And again, this is the John, this is the theology of much of John. God so loved the world that he gave his one begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is what we could see love as. And then if we think of 1 Corinthians 13, you know, 4 through 7, where we have such a description of love we say that's God loves that way you know God doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing God certainly isn't arrogant or boastful right Um, how I haven't thought this through much myself but how is our love different than God's love what 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 limits our love
1: what limits us yes Barbara we're selfish
0: yes yeah yeah, we are. We are. Yes.
1: It's tainted by sin.
0: Yeah. Like everything. It's,
1: it's distorted. Yeah. Our, our love is like almost conditional sometimes. Good point. Yeah. Like you know, if someone could say something that angers us or do wrong us in some way. Yes. And we can just turn it on and off. Yes. I can't stand that for us anymore, Yeah, Tony. You know? But God's love is just perfect. Amen. He, he, he isn't affected by what we do or don't do. not mm-hmm. do
0: we, yes, Tony. We
2: compare ourselves, which are imperfect, to other people. Yeah. And, and we think it. We
1: think we're right.
0: Hmm. Wait a minute. Sometimes I am right.
1: <laughs> 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 I'm not ready to give that up yet. <laughs> 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 when you we were mentioning the section in First John, um, Brian Payne had a great um, definition of agape love. Mm. he's talking about there. He said. Agape love is the unswerving commitment to the redemptive good of another at the expense of self. Nice. Ooh. I, I love. Could you read that again? The, the, unswerving commitment to the redemptive good of another at the expense of self. Cool. You should text that to me. Yeah. And if we could just. So I can have it. Each other too. You know, mm. if, if we're always looking, I mean, we're redeemed already, but it's still a mm. continuing thing too. Yep. You know, it's part of.
0: One another in, Yes. Yeah.
2: Todd? I'm just thinking that, that you can't be a good evangelist if you don't believe that. Yeah. Because when you preach the gospel, I agree. you have to be willing to deny all the stuff and take all the world wants to push back at mm. you because of the love of Christ within you and the love of Christ you want the person you're talking to to know. Yeah. And you just, you just can't be a good evangelist to come to that.
0: That selfishness affects us in so many ways. Um and it's it's not. the you have a comment, Ken? Okay, it's it's not. It, it, there's a. See, until we're redeemed, we can't possibly. No, there's no love in the world outside of Christ that will match the love that of Christ. There isn't. That is the quintessential. That is the, the zenith of love, so to speak, is the love of God that has for it, and that's because in some ways our love is by nature anti. It, it not only is it selfish, but it's completely self oriented, which is I guess selfish, but God in his being is three persons. And by that's, I think, in part why by definition God is love. Because he is more than... I don't think we can say God is love without God by necessity being at least more than one person. Um, Any discussion worth having about God, I think we come to the conclusion he must absolutely be more than one person. Otherwise... He has to learn what it means to love another. I just can't see that as being a part of who God is, having to learn that. Yeah, so Susan. Isn't that the
2: great, and, great error of Islam? I'm sorry? Isn't that the great error of Islam?
0: Definitely, yeah, that's probably one of them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Susan and then Tony. I, was, I had a thought
1: when, you, when we were discussing just that point about God being more than one person. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's part of what God meant when He said it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, and in taking us and uniting us to Himself, you know we're we're uniting with we're united with the three persons of the Trinity in a way that we weren't before. Um, Not that we become part of God, but we are united in a way we couldn't possibly be before. So our love can be complete in a way that it wasn't. God had to do that. God had to do that. There is outside of Christ, no matter what, how loving something looks like, it does not meet what God is. Um, and this is yes.
1: I was thinking too the difference between the love of
2: God and the love humans can have is that God cannot be cannot have anything taken away or added to him. Mhm. And it's the opposite with us. Therefore, he
0: can't fear having anything taken away from him. Right. The fear is the opposite of love, I and believe. It's not courage. Human, yeah. We can worry about that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. About Absolutely. About Excellent point. Taken away from That's a great point. Yeah. Now, fear is a love, uh, is a love inhibitor. <laughs> it really is. Fear is a love... Um... That's why I think John goes on to say that perfect love casts out fear. Love made perfect, love made complete, casts out fear. When love has been perfected in us, there is no fear. Um, well, that's a good point. God doesn't have to fear losing anything. And neither do we. Now that we're in Christ, we, we don't really need to fear losing anything, including life itself, life, health, money nothing we have no need to fear losing all that but any of us on our best day would have a little fear of that so yeah fear uh excellent point fear fear is definitely a love um limiter it does put a limit on our love glad you brought that up I hadn't thought of that Ephesians three fourteen to 19 for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named What a prayer that is for anyone to pray for anyone else. To know the love of Christ. Paul wants them to know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. <laughs> that sounds a little bit tricky, doesn't it? To know something that's beyond knowing. Which tells us it takes the Holy Spirit, which Paul prayed for back at the beginning of this verse. Because if we know that, why? Why? What's the? What is the end product that Paul has in mind for this prayer. Why is he praying this for them? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Because only when we understand and comprehend the love of God and the love of Christ, as it says here, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, then we can say that we are filled up with all the fullness of God. And that is fleeting. That is Again, that is a very fluid experience, that understanding the love of God one moment we think we sort of have it and in some ways we do and in other moments we doubt His goodness. And once we doubt His goodness, we doubt His love. Right? Once we doubt His goodness towards us, we doubt His love. And I think we do that uh, just because we're, we're that. Thank God that that doesn't limit God's love for us. Amen to that, right? Thank God that that doesn't limit God's love for us. Our failure at times to process that love and have it do its perfect work in us does not limit it does not change God's loving disposition towards us Tony
2: I was thinking at that point it's the only point that we could
1: be 100% content
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm amen that's all we need to know is, is the love of God that's what we need and that's what we have in abundance all the time yes I think
2: how much we stand out if we're truly submissive to that whole mindset that becomes our goal because before Christ comes again
1: there's going
2: to be a coldening of that love. Mm. Uh, yes. Loss of natural affection. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna stand out more
0: as mm-hmm. it becomes a greater witness. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Let's uh, is there anything there are a few things that are as painful as finding that you've been unloving in some situation. That's one of the most painful experiences that I personally have. Um is when you, you can see that you've been unloving. Because when God shows you that, I think He shows you the effect that it's had on us. That's part of His goodness towards us, is He shows us how we've hurt somebody else by being unloving. And um, amazing as this song is, I'm sure this gentleman, this brother, must have struggled at times to love people perfectly the way we should. But he gets it. The vast, unmeasured, boundless, and free love of God. It's vast. It's unmeasured. Who can comprehend it? It's boundless and it's free. Again, rolling as that mighty ocean over me, underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love. Which would result in our praise to spread His, his praise from shore to shore. Again, how He loves, ever loves, never changes. Never changes that love for us. Uh, we're doing the him, looking at the hymn, The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. I don't know if you caught that quite in time. Um, and then, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Love of every love, the best. And again, he again, again, mentions the ocean. Uh, the ocean, vast of blessing, tis a haven of sweet river. It lifts me up to thee. <clears throat> it lifts me up to glory, because it lifts me up to thee. There is no other glory, you know. Um, as we'll hear again today, in, the, in, one, in one of the, I think Gary's, closing out with the preaching on uh, his, his five minutes. All the brothers get five minutes to go up there today and spend eight minutes talking. So, Mike's <laughs>
1: decent. I didn't see the clock. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a way around that. <laughs> you'll, have to get the, you'll have to get the hook and pull me off. Mm. <laughs> I'll, give the, I'll
0: give you the okay. one minute warning.
1: <laughs> So, uh,
0: Bobby. um, What's what's again? So, if we're not loving, why is that? Again, these are these songs are. This is when a song like this, because we're we're to teach and admonish and encourage one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, a good song like this get us thinking more than just sort of singing it and being moved by that, which is excellent. To think, what is the impact? of God's love on us. Well, what's what's ultimately the impact of that? It should be that we're loving. Mm. And so I if again because just you know the way I think I do if I have found that I've been unloving then something's missing in my thoughts about God. And this is where I approach that that fine red line in the sand that says okay, Pat, be careful because you get to yourself talking about the possibility of perfection and sinlessness in this world and you run into the error sort of the heresy that says we we, we no longer sin which was
1: uh, I think I hope, John. I'm hope i sorry that's also for a second John if you say you have no sin you're lying. that's right that's
0: right thank God John covers that too right um, who's the guy that wrote the books and I should know this because he would actually was a Biola um, either teacher or at one point Neil something or other hmm he wrote about the demonic as well wrote about demonology as well Um, I wish I could remember his name that's terrible but that he taught you know sinless perfection is possible in this life
2: Um,
0: I think I could be mistaken but I think some of the Wesleyans thought that as well Uh, do they? yeah Harrison that's it Neil Anderson thanks (coughs) yep that's the one. He had, he had other good stuff, but, you know, like many people that have lots of good stuff, we all stumble in, you know, many ways.
2: Charismatics do have morphine
0: off of it. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so I'm, I just say all that to say that I, I can look at the times that I'm unloving and say, why hasn't, you know, what, what am I missing in the love of God for myself? rather than using it as sort of a battering ram against my own soul I just use it as an example of learning what the love of God is like because part of my feelings of genuine guilt are um, sort of like flashcards that God gives me to let me see where I'm not being loving so that I can become more so it's training you know God uses even our own of course he uses our own misery and failings to instruct us about who he is um Okay, good. The love of God. Any more comments on that? I mean, we could talk a lot more about the love of God. Um, Bobby Wogelmuth wrote about this particular song. She's a, she's a friend of um, Johnny Erickson Tata. The rolling tones to which it was set provided an introspective and unforgettable experience of worship. With the hearts of the people full, the comments of the sermon could be most effective. Another great, great point about music. It isn't just for that moment. I mean, something about worship in music and in song can prepare us to get a fuller experience of the sermon, John.
1: Forgive me if I mentioned this when I was up in front um, speaking about this, but one of the one of the aspects of singing is. Uh, you linger over the words. Oh, the yeah. words are stretched out.
0: Yeah, interesting and there's point. A,
1: there's a, there is that cadence and flow and mm. that lingering. So you, you 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 can sing a word for half a measure in the music, or maybe a whole mm. measure, and, and just just meditate on it. So much easier. I yeah, mean, that's pretty cool. You know, we, yeah. we can we can read scripture and we we do mm-hmm. read scripture, and and that's powerful too. But mm-hmm. there's something else that's added and enhanced when you when you put melody especially as she
0: described it the role of melody yeah what a a, a good point it is singing is somewhat meditative just by nature but the nature of the music and the words together yeah that's a really cool point that's a really cool point Um, okay the last song I want to take a look at is Immortal Invisible God Only Wise boy this is one of those Great powerful hymns of the faith. Good morning. morning. How are you all doing? Good, good, good. Yeah, (laughs) amen. (laughs) Immortal, invisible, God only wise. In light inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days. Almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Unresting, unhasting, and silent as light, nor wanting, nor wasting, thou rulest in might. Thy justice like mountains, high soaring above, thy clouds which are fountains of goodness and love. Great Father of glory, pure Father of light, thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. All praise we would render, O help us to see, tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. That is a pretty deep, Verse, that one there. I mean, the whole song is. Um, what, what, where do you suppose some of this sort of thought came from? Light inaccessible, underlined a few things in the hymn. What is that? Where is that coming from in Scripture somewhere?
1: I know James calls him the Father of Lights, right? Yeah,
0: that's right. James does. Yep, so in that particular, he calls him down below the pure Father of Light. Yeah. see so much about. What do we see about the brightness? And shining and things like that in Scripture. Where are some of the brightest? What are some of the sunniest moments, so to speak, in Scripture? The brightest. Revelation. Yeah, yeah. Where, where in the Revelation? What's going on there? Transfiguration. I'm sorry.
1: Transfiguration.
0: Yeah, transfiguration is a big one, right? I mean, his his garments shone, right? Like a, that's right. The
2: shining of Moses' face. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep.
1: Apostle Paul being blinded. Yeah
0: all these things light. and light and, and what do we know about Jesus That's
2: yes you know that
0: yeah this particular song was probably written I don't know the exact year Walter Chalmers Smith was a pastor of the Church of Scotland lived from 1824 to 1908 so my guess is somewhere in the time of his ministry maybe anywhere from you know the 1860s or so anywhere in that 40 years
2: it, just, it strikes me that it's possible that uh, the uh, the uh, the nature of light was being investigated and maybe understood a little bit better than and so interesting because in uh, light is still not fully
1: understood.
2: Right.
0: Yep. Yeah. When did Thomas Alva Edison and th- th- throw the switch? Get that fluorescent thing glowing. When did he get that? Not the fluorescent, but the uh, the little that little heating element. Um, I Thought it was in
2: the. Like
0: I thought it was a late 1800s.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a
0: good point. I wonder, uh, that's a point that I hadn't sort of seen or thought of. As some of these hymns like uh, a response or sort of, not a response, but got them thinking about the perfection of God. Like you said, we just sort of made this big deal about inventing life, but we look at Scripture. And this was often the case, by the way, hymn writers in that era. When the before the so-called even when the so-called Enlightenment was underway, guys like um, great minds and thinkers, scientists were very much driven by the Scriptures to explore God, and find out more about Him. Yeah,
2: I think it was Jeremiah. It's in the Old Testament. Um, I will make Him draw near to me. For who would dare come near to me?
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And that inapproachable light. Yes. Is seen approachable only in and through Christ.
0: Yep. Yeah. First Timothy one seventeen. Some scriptures that uh, come to mind. Likely guided this man along this thinking. To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, Amen. Well, perhaps that verse was behind anything more than anything else behind this song, right? To the King of Ages. And this is a doxological sort of statement, isn't it? This is a doxology. Before that, he talks about how Christ came to save sinners. He says, I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. What a thing to own about yourself. Right? What a thing to own about yourself. I'm the kind of guy that is a manifestation of Jesus' perfect patience. I'm a living example of that Paul said. I am a living flesh and blood breathing example of the patience of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I receive mercy for this reason that in me as a foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. And then as Paul does sometimes when he's been thinking about God when he's been talking about God he just bursts out in, uh, in, in this glorious sort of doxology. It's like he can't help it it's just like you just pounded down half a bottle of carbonated soft drink and you just (laughs) got (laughs) to belch out the the good feeling just yeah just just to get excited about God and sometimes this will happen to you I think can happen to you maybe it hasn't I hope it does reading scripture we just stop for a minute and just praise God because something just whacked you right between the eyes and just picked you right up off your feet transported you somewhere else for a minute you know for a minute you were with glory in God and doesn't last long. In um, the Ancients of Days. Let's, let's, let's go to another one. 6.16 of that same book. Who alone, or the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Inapproachable light. In other words, I think just using that as a metaphor, that's the brightness of God. You know, you can't get so close to something so intensely bright. It's, it's like the sun. Thank God we're 93 million miles away from the sun. You know, I mean, it's bad enough you go out there without protection, and that yellow ball in the sky 93 million miles away can, can help contribute to skin cancer, it can cause your body to burn. You know, that's, that's wild. You know, that's, that's, that's incredible. And I I think that that gives us... You know, if if we would think of God in the ways that He's provided us in nature to sort of compare Him to, um, the brightness of God that is taken for granted even by those that don't know Him, how He illuminates everything, how He clarifies everything, how He gives understanding to everything, how He dispels the darkness in everything. um, And just to make sure that we could understand it, Christ became he took on human flesh Jesus was the light of the world he says I am the light of the world in him was life and that life was the light of man light inaccessible and, and that last verse is interesting it's only the splendor of light that hides you it's only your greatness so, is so great that it hides who you really are you know you just, you, it's, you're so great um, the brightness of the the compelling brightness of god is so great first uh, john 1 five going back over there first john right as god is he does allow himself to be veiled in darkness at times doesn't he Though. Shouldn't read a glorious hymn like this and come up with a yeah, but response. But This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Yeah. John does this a lot. God is love, God is light. Um, which is to say, we only know what love is because we know what God is. Because we know God. We only know what light is because God exists. That's, it isn't that God meets some standard external to himself of what love is. It isn't like the standard of love exists and we say, yes, God meets that definition. We only know what love is because God is. <laughs> we only know what light is because God is. And the consequence of that is if we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. Mm-hmm. But there's just no getting around some verses. This doesn't require a whole lot of theology. This doesn't require... I think a lot of theology is developed by man in response to a way of getting out of the obvious. <laughs> Overcomplicate it. Just keep it simple. Stupid, right? The old saying goes, in him is no darkness at all. So if we say we have fellowship with him, why are we walking in darkness? Well, what's it mean to walk in darkness? What is, what's the scripture talking about here? Yeah, and what does it mean to sort of walk in sin? Because we do all sin. What does it mean to sort of walk in it? Yeah, it's like that's the path you always want to take, you know? It's like you could take this path, but you always, more or less always, taking this path. Once in a while you might take the other path, just to convince yourself that you're not all bad, right? But you walk, you say you have fellowship with God who is light, and yet you walk in darkness. You lie to yourself. You are not in Christ. Christ is not in you. You don't have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't have the light of God in you. You're walking in darkness. You're going to die in darkness. You're going to live forever in darkness. So thank God verses like that are in there to challenge us. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So, again, this writer, I think, just very very scripture having a great impression upon him getting him thinking a lot about what this light means Means singing about the light of God Uh, Psalm 104 2 the last verse in this
2: Hmm. hey brother he's late
0: He has a good reason. I know. Okay, so, Bless the Lord, O my soul. This goes back to the beginning. I'll go back to the first. O Lord my God, you are very great. Brother, we're just taking a look at the hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. The last one we're looking at. Um, You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Now, the heavens refer to the stars and the luminous bodies and as well as everything else. So, again, just looking at some verses behind the thoughts that go into this song. Covering yourself with light as a garment. And this is poetry, so we know he's using metaphor and allusion and everything, but covering yourself with light as a garment. His, his clothes are, 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 are white. But doesn't this give a sense to what goes on again in the Transfiguration, as Mark mentioned, Well his garment shown as white? And, whiter than any, and then we see other places whiter than any filler soap could get them. God who dwells in light unapproachable light uh, except that he sort of makes it safe for us. He makes it safe for us. We have Christ we have that You have that sort of suit that makes it possible for us to be able to be near him. Yes.
1: Sunscreen.
0: Sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> Jesus our sunscreen. A new contemporary hymn by April learned Jesus our sunscreen. Uh, there's a, There's a song uh I used to sing it i I have to confess ahead of time i i don 't like the the song myself there 's nothing wrong with it theologically it just has a to me it just has like a it 's shine jesus shine uh and it 's nothing wrong with that in terms of doctrine' something about it 's just to me it 's just hokey <laughs> you know that 's me um so You know, there's more that we could could look at more songs. We don't need to. The the point of wanting to conclude the study with some of these hymns was so that we could see all these different elements that we've been talking about and how they just come about. Johnny uh, Erickson Tata said about this song if you're looking for a hymn that praises God's attributes, there's no better hymn to sing when under attack. Johnny Erickson Tata would know this. Everyone know who she is, Johnny Ericsson. Johnny Ericsson Tata has been paralyzed for 50 years. She was a diving, well on her way to being like a diving champion in high school. When she hit that, she hit that water one day, something in the diving pool the wrong way, and she has a she she has a huge ministry uh, to disabled folks. became a a fairly accomplished painter just using her mouth as well Um, and a number of other things she's written so many books Um, amazing lady if you're looking for a hymn that praises God's attributes there's no better hymn to sing when under attack the words are a doxology of song each stanza turning up the wattage on God's glory this hymn shines like a searchlight that dispels the darkness so singing songs In times of sort of demonic attack or spiritual battle as well. Um, Any songs? I guess let's just go. I'm not going to get into the next subject because it's it's 20 past, and we've got. That's usually when we like to wrap up. We never do, but yeah. Can you just tell me again what what hymn that was? Immortal, invisible, God only wise. Yep. In light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. as particularly the the last verse, Brother Gary. Tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. God's own greatness and brightness, by, unless he reveals himself. I mean, it's like it's the splendor of his light that hides him. That's it. Because we just can't, you know, you can't look at that light, you know. Um, so profoundly, intensely deep. I think that's why part of Peter had that response hey, let's build three tents, one for you and he saw the magnificence of Christ shining forth on the mountain, and he says, "Hey, let's build some tabernacles, okay. you know." And uh, why? I mean, just the lightness and the brightness of Christ—he couldn't comprehend that. He couldn't grasp all that. He should have just been quiet. But Peter was not the quiet type. Um, yes.
1: In the old days, when I wanted to look up a certain hymn song that I was just wanting in my spirit, I mm. used the hymnal. The problem with that is you had to know the title of it. That's um, true. Today I can just type in a phrase that I remember. That's and right. Google brings up YouTube. Yes. It's a real blessing. Oh, it is. Can, and even if it's not the exact song, I can just search easily for it. I yes. Hear it. I can see the words. Yeah. It's, it's a real blessing. Yeah.
0: Thank God for Google. Mm-hmm. Man, what a <clears throat> what a way to be able to find scripture that comes to mind, even with just a few verses. You know.
2: I'm still waiting to
0: meet that guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if the light of God shines through Google sometimes, that's a blessing from God, that technology. Boy, oh boy. He's, God is the great excuse destroyer, isn't he? Yeah. Any other songs? Yeah, they come to mind. We or oh, thoughts?
1: Yesterday and we heard it yesterday, fortress. Yeah. We heard it with a trumpet. Oh, really? I know, it was bena- it, it was just like the king is coming yeah, yeah yeah trumpet
0: I guess it's supposed to have that effect right that's why we
1: need a trumpet. yeah that's why we'll, that's
0: why the last trump right when we, the trumpet will sound and uh, Christ will descend yeah something about that trumpet I mean they had a trumpet of some kind in those days not not like we do today but a- any other songs that just come to mind that have been uh, that have really made a difference in your life but really just this, this things that you sing when you just have to sing some. there are times when I just have to sing there is a fountain, you know what I mean, filled with blood drawn from emmanuel 's veins, you know and those that washed beneath its you know floods are that it outgo yes, thank you um, okay, if not, that's fine. We can wrap it up, and then next week, Barry will teach, and then we'll do at least a week on. Again, taking a look at how do we filter what we see in the news through our through our biblical worldview through the Scripture. All right. So thanks for participating in our music and let's have somebody close us in prayer. Todd, would you close us in prayer? Sure. Father, heaven, uh, you created
2: everything, and that includes the music and uh, the song of Christ and His redemptive story rings true to our hearts because of. Him the Holy Spirit's regenerative work. We worship you and praise you, O oh Lord, as the God of heaven and earth who just brought down heaven into our soul and flooded us with your love and knowledge of Christ and his forgiveness. And so, O oh Lord, strengthen our hearts to continue to worship in song and in word
1: and in conversation and fellowship all for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.